Welcome once again to Cinemaholics, the major motion podcast where we talk about the biggest and best films coming to theaters and streaming online from the San Francisco Bay Area. I'm John Agroni, film editor for In Between Drafts. You know, how come none of these movies are ever in San Francisco? Will Ashton from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Have any of them been in San Francisco? Didn't Faye the Furious have a San Francisco scene with the cars or is that somewhere else? I'll look it up. I know we haven't had one in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. That I mean, is true. Yeah. I, how I would, are you, you going to find the roads? I would love to cramp. a Fast and Furious scene in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where Dom Toretto and the gang have to figure out the incoherent road system and uh, deal with uh, traffic that doesn't make any sense uh, in their sleek, uh, you know, hip cars. I would. I would have the time of my life watching that scene in the movie theater. Maybe they will honor the next film. The next two films, apparently, we're getting with a San Francisco scene and a Pittsburgh scene. I think that's... We're due. Well, right. that's did why... Even, did they even do New York, actually, at any point? Um, I don't know. I mean, outside of Brazil in fast five the locations of these films kind of just blur together in my mind they do they do have the london stuff i feel like london yeah. kind of sticks out because of like the british villains with but helen Mirren and jason statham and what's his face from the sixth one well that was hobbs and shaw right the hobbs and shaw wasn't but no the sixth one was in london wasn't it or they had scenes in london with uh because that's where we get uh what's his name the guy who was in Dr- richard evans well i misspoke earlier obviously the third one's in tokyo <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's it literally named after um, Fast and Furious, the fourth one. That's like, geez, Louise. That I know that's in LA for part of it, but I don't remember anywhere else that they go in that one. What a blank slate these movies are. I don't. Th- there's so many locations too. Like this one has Antarctica. Uh, last year or last movie had uh, what was it? Um, let's see, F9. They Boy, were in space. Yeah. Well, Antarctica, that started with uh, one of the climactic scenes in Fate of the Furious. Was that Antarctica? Though? I don't remember there was like a snowy tundra. I thought that was like Russia or something. Well, was okay. it Antarctica? I, th- I thought it was the Antarctica. I thought that's why they they came back to Antarctica in this one. I guess I guess the correct answer to this question is who cares? Sure. Because it's not like these movies have any sort of geographical, uh, you know, like it's not like the geography matters or they're, the con- they're just set pieces or the continuity no no continuity doesn't make sense or work the uh they just retcon everything all the time it's fast and furious what are you gonna do uh we're reviewing fast 10 or fast x whatever you like sure uh fast and furious 10 which uh just came out this past weekend i so while we were getting ready to record this thing i, I was looking at some of the box office around this and I, you know, the first thing that comes to mind, I mean, we had a big conversation about F9 back in 2021, came out in the summer, was one of the first like, all right, COVID's over, uh, but not really, um, that whole thing. And it was like the first summer box office in a while, uh, in one year, you know, because we didn't have one in 2020, but it was like one of the first like movies to sort of usher in, like, all right, it's time to go back to the theaters. And neither of us were fans big fans of f9 right i mean we just kind of we watched it 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 was just not that compelling i remember john cena was in it and Mm -hmm. he did his thing and it it felt like they were trying to go for more spy stuff and it just yeah Uh, i think fate of the furious you and i were kinder to at the time yes no i'm still pretty high on fate of the furious compared to other people 
What, what is it about Fate of the Furious that still sucks out for you? Because when I reflect on that movie, I'm like, it's all right. Sure. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, it, it's probably middle of the pack as far as these movies go. But um, I just think it's it has the right goofy energy to it. It's fun. The character dynamics are great. You have like the proper use of Hobbs and Shaw compared to the movie that would follow, which had the wrong use of Hobbs and Shaw. Um, you know, you had that inherent uh, rivalry between The Rock and Vin Diesel fuming throughout the film. You got some great That's set true. pieces. You got. I appreciate the Statham, the baby scene in the plane, which actually gets referenced oh. in this movie. Yes, that was. Um, that's the goofy stuff I want from uh, Fast and Furious. I feel like nine, from my memory, it weirdly got a little bit more serious. Like there was those flashbacks. It, it felt like it was, I don't know. I, I, I really was excited because Justin Lin was coming back to the franchise as a director. And uh, I liked those like Sean film and it had, you know, like some real cinematic quality to it. And it did have some really goofy action scenes. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like it was trying too hard to establish like stakes and pathos for Dom's character and stuff. And at the end of the day, I, I as much as I would appreciate that in most other movies, I feel like in the Fast and Furious franchise that that's kind of a hindrance as opposed to a help. Now, we'll probably save our big old Fast and Furious ranking for the next movie or the last movie. I feel like we'd just be spinning our wheels trying to reflect on the franchise. So let's just get to what we think of this one. And I think I've compared it to Avengers Infinity War. A lot of critics have. I mean, it's the obvious comparison because Avengers Infinity War and, and, and look, this might be considered a spoiler uh, to some people, I don't. I don't think it is because it's all over the marketing of this movie that it's the first of what will either be a two-part finale or a three-part finale. Vin Diesel seems to be suggesting that they're ending this mainline Fast saga with three movies, and this is the first one. And it's a movie that sort of ends without all the payoff. Like we, we're still sort of like leading into another movie. It, to me, it seems kind of weird that we would have two movies after this. I think they could just wrap it up in one, but maybe that's just me. This movie's already two and a half hours long or so. Uh, that said, this movie has also been, you know, box office wise and critic wise, you know, reviews haven't been great. Um, you know, we'll play the Rotten Tomatoes game, obviously. But I, I, I don't think that that's given you too helpful a hint, Will Ash. And I, I'm sure you didn't walk out of this movie being like, I'm sure, you know, the critics are all over Fast 10. Um, the box office wise, this hasn't been super compelling either. It's a bit of a step down from F9. F9 made around, I think, like 70 million domestically in its opening weekend, something 65 to 70 million. And this movie made 67. And I mean, it's comparable, but I think what people are looking at there is, well, you're comparing it to a movie that came out in 2021 when a lot of people weren't going back to movie theaters. And we didn't have a lot of summer box office hits in 2021. Things weren't really back to normal for the general public yet. Obviously, last year and this year have been very, very different. We've been seeing movies just like blast off in terms of box office at pre-COVID levels. So a lot of people are looking at this and being like, all right, is this fast franchise? It's been declining ever since Fate of the Furious. Fate of the Furious, I mean, I think that opened to like, what, 100 million domestic? It does not look like these movies are still captivating people, but they are still worldwide hits, correct? And so looking at Fast 10, I certainly, I enjoyed this movie. I gave it a positive review. I, I think that there's there's a lot to like here. I have a lot of issues with it. I think there's a lot of things wrong with this movie, but I think all the things that are wrong with this movie are the same old things as always. And the, the things that work here 
work well enough. And, and there are a couple things that it does that I don't think other movies in this saga have done before, which is have a decent villain. I've never liked the villains much in any of these movies. And, uh, and I know some people have been lambasting some of the, the choices in terms of the villain. But also, I just like that it's leading to an ending. Even if we don't get that ending in this movie, please end it. I, I, I think that it just that that promise of like this is all leading somewhere that's the thing that's been bothering me since the seventh one the fate of the furies and f9 have just felt episodic and i guess that just has been wearing me out i don't want episodes anymore i want a season finale a series finale if you will uh but i know you and i we don't see super eye to eye on these movies we did do a little like little baby ranking over text message mm. and uh, you know one of our one of our biggest disagreements has got to be Hobbs and Shaw right one of our biggest agreements is we both like the fifth one the most this movie leans heavily on the fifth one I think that was a studio decision I think somebody had a whiteboard out and was like you know put marketing at the top and said what has worked and this this is what we get uh but yeah where do, where do you stand on this movie are, are we uh driving in the same lane or are we going are we about to, are we playing chicken yeah, I mean, I guess for me, it comes down to expectations. Uh, yeah, because I, I found myself kind of out of step. Uh, I feel like with the broad consensus for F9, um, I'm, I know you were in agreement with me on it, but I feel like the general consensus was that this was like return the form for the franchise after people didn't love Fate of the Furious. Uh, and also, I mean, I guess most people uh, are with me on thinking Hobbs and Shaw is a slap in the face to franchise. So you, I, I don't know, you, you, you got something out of that movie that most people didn't. I guess I just have to respect that in some fashion or another over time. I mean, what I got was Idris Silva as black Superman. What else you want? All right. Well, whatever gets you through. Uh, but in any case, uh, yeah, I mean, I think my expectations for this one were certainly much different. Like you, I feel like, I, I was just kind of getting tired of these movies. I mean, it only took me, you know, uh, close to double digits for me to <laughs> uh, now the double digits uh, for me to kind of feel like the wear and tear of the franchise was just kind of uh, you were feeling the length of how long these movies have been made. Uh, it, it was just, you know, I was hearing all this stuff about the production issues where Justin Lin was the initial director. He left after a couple weeks, maybe even sooner than that they were scrambling for a little bit and then uh i don't know if i'm pronouncing his name right but louis letier louis letier yeah and so i i forgot to mention this and, and lynn still has a co-screenwriting credit a story credit clearly he had some uh, apparently there were some issues between him and vin diesel and you got to wonder at some point like vin just seems to have beef with everybody uh and, you know uh in the movie and out, um, considering this, it does kind of remind of The Rock uh, and how all that stuff turned out. Yeah, I mean, for as much as these movies are about family and coming together and, you know, being uh, harmonious, it doesn't seem like Vin Diesel is quite Actually, good. Actually, that, that sounds truer to family than <laughs> especially Hispanic families. Sure. I mean, <laughs> we have we have stuff like this happens all the time, but then it's so that we can all get back together. Mm. Real. That's the point, isn't it? Have uh, some Coronas at a barbecue and uh, forget all the problems and have fun. I'd prefer Modelo, but, you know. Sure. I'm just saying, you know, Corona is the official beer of uh, it is. this franchise. Outside of Hobbs and Shaw, where I think they had, like, Heideken or something, which is another issue that movie has, but that's neither here. Yeah, you're just like, that's that's the real slap in the face, right? Well, it is, among <laughs> many. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I just... Knowing all the production issues, knowing my own uh, declining interest in the franchise, uh, just not really being that impressed by the trailers, 
kind of feeling like, okay, you know, why are we still doing this? And I know it's coming to some sort of conclusion, but just it feels listless at this point. Um, so my expectations were significantly lower for this one. So I think that actually came to the benefit where I, I don't think I like this movie per se, but I think I liked it more than I was anticipating going into it in the sense that I was like, yeah, you know, it was okay. It felt like tonally more uh, in line with what I want these movies to be. It's a lot goofier. Uh, it, it's more consistent uh, in terms of that. Like there's it, the pacing of it definitely uh, leaves a lot to be desired, you know, for a film called Fast X. It does feel it's two and a half hours. Uh, scenes kind of get drawn out. There's not a lot of uh, coherency and tone and uh, pacing between those scenes. Uh, and so, I mean, I, I can't say I was, you know, on the edge of my seat the whole time, but you know, there are some tremendous set pieces throughout this film. I, I generally like the changes that are made to, uh, certain characters in this case. I think John Cena works much better as a, you know, uh, uncle comedic foil here. Fun that, uncle. He's the fun uncle. Fun John uncle, Cena. Yeah. It's, it's great. Yeah, I think that works a lot better than the villainous character that they were trying to do in F9. He's way too stiff. Didn't seem like he was really getting the relish to roll in the way that he does here. It's playing to his strengths significantly more in this film. Uh, I thought Brie Larson was generally fun, more so than I was anticipating. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think... And uh, Jason Momoa, as you mentioned, is uh, a certainly much more memorable villain than I thought go watching the trailers. Like, he, I mean, there's some things to be said about whether or not this performance is maybe a little homophobic, uh, but I don't really see it as uh, that per se. I, I think he's just really just being goofy as possible. You and other people have made the comparison that he's basically just jokerifying this villain. And uh, he's, he's Joker meets Jack Sparrow, pretty much. Sure. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, the, the idea here is just that he hit his head too hard in the water during the climactic uh, highway chase uh, in F or sorry, Fast Five, and uh, he just decided to go crazy from that point forward. <laughs> uh, and I mean, one of the most delightful scenes in the movie uh, is just him talking to a couple of cadavers. I won't give away the, the specifics of the scene, but it's just stuff like that. It was just like, yes, this is what I go to see if a fast. Movie, Fast and Furious movie for us. When, when that scene happened, I was like, are, am I in the right theater? <laughs> like, did they just like switch the reels or something? And I got right. like a better version of this movie than is supposed to exist. Aquaman's taking quite a turn. <laughs> uh... <laughs> you, know, you know, the thing with him, too, is that I, I said in my review that I find I find his performance to be gender bending. You know, it to me, it's it's less that it's quote it's uh, coded in a because look, I, I saw Little Mermaid af right after this, and that was a movie that kind of like bastardized, I think the the sort of queer coded villains that we get in like the Disney movies, and I've always been of the opinion that those are the best villains because I think that like what those animators were doing is like I, I think sometimes read into it, people read into it a certain way. When like, oh, you're right. saying that it's bad to be gay or bad to be flamboyant or, and things like that. When I've always interpreted it more as like it making villains fun is when I think the idea is that like characters are more fun when they're flamboyant, when they break the rules. And, oh, sure. And I think that that's the thing that like makes his character more endearing to me is that he is such a like subversion of all the villains who came before him and, mm -hmm. and using him in this way. Like, I think it would be one thing if he was like sadistic and there was nothing redeemable, but the fun that he's so, the fact that he's so fun to watch and he's so like, I think it's, it's showing that that sort of like energy is something that 
people respond to. And, you know, I get it. Sometimes I think some people are going to be laughing sort of like for the wrong reason, maybe yeah. at this performance. And I kind of get that. But I know for me, I was just like relishing it because it's just, yeah, like you said, like the John Cena character is so stiff. I always found the, the Shelley's Theron character way too stiff Cypher. and kind of just cipher whatever just kind of boring like just not villains like i think statham was kind he was like a terminator i guess but that, that's what they've always been up to this point they've been terminators and it's, it does say something that fast five kind of has one of the least memorable villains like the the dad of jason Momoa's character and he's right. kind of just you know he's not that interesting but this is the first movie where i think the villain is more interesting than the protagonist but that's also i think a knock against the movie because I think the protagonists in this movie are very boring with the exception mm. of Michelle Rodriguez. I, I think that this was like the first one of these in a while where I actually cared about what was going on with her. And she actually had some cool moments. Uh, I agree with you for sure about the, the villain versus the protagonist here in the sense that like, I do think that's kind of what, what goes into it. Uh, not that I assume that Vin Diesel is super self-aware. He might be, I have no real idea. I don't know the guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do think, the production is usually smart enough to kind of be like, don't make the villain, you know, uh, stand out too much compared to Vin yes, Diesel. He's he's exactly. always kind of the, you know, the rock of the franchise. Not literally, obviously, uh, but <laughs> that's, uh, that's part of the beef, right? He was trying right, to. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I do think that's kind of the best and worst thing about the movie is that like, you just care too much about the villain uh, this time to the point where you're just, anytime you see Vin Diesel, he's like, well, I'd kind of just rather watch what Jason Momoa is doing at this point. But that's kind of why it works. Like, because most of the scenes, like Dom actually has a lot of scenes with Momoa, more scenes with Momoa than the other characters. So I think that's why it right. works for me because I never felt like I, the, the, to me, the thing about this movie that works on a script level is it's not just being meta like yes it has all those meta moments you literally have alan richson kind of doing a walkthrough of how absurd these movies are and it's all sort of lampshading but i do think there's an interesting like piece of the story here and like you know what what it means to be a, a hero or an unconventional hero in this world and you know how the plan or sort of like this master plan of momoa is, is to isolate dom and like what that does to him and how it kind of erodes at him as a character it's way more interesting than anything we saw in f9 which was just trying to sort of like capitalize on like what do you what about the black sheep of the family and it was just very thin um, I think this movie is actually like searching for something a little bit more interesting that uh, I, I certainly picked up on probably with more favor than other people did because people don't look at the Fast and Furious movies for for that much thematic material. I think the deepest these movies get have been like, all right, you know, Paul Walker, you know, we're going to honor him and, and you know, it, him passing away obviously left a huge, you know, hole in the hearts of a lot of people. Uh, who made this movie, you know, his tragic, un untimely death. So I kind of walked away from this movie for the first time, kind of being like, well, you know, this actually feels like if there's going to be a change in the Dom character, this seems like a more interesting, like, finale to, like, who he is uh, in terms of, like, you know, him really starting to appreciate, like, really, like, trying to test and question, like, how much he relies on other people and how that, like, built-up mythos of masculinity he has uh, is being challenged by somebody who represents kind of a, a different kind of masculinity and how, like, those two things are kind of, like, two sides of the same coin in a certain way. Are you talking about a change in the DT hierarchy? The DT hierarchy? Dominic Trader. Like, 
what's the hierarchy like the that's the reference like uh, the- do you remember from black adam where uh the rock was saying that black adam's going to be a change to the dc hierarchy oh yeah nice nice this is a, yeah i forgot you. that quote if it was a more prolific quote you would you would be in well you'd be sailing right now different twitters different twitters any case yeah. <laughs> um no i i agree with you though i'm i'm kind of wondering not that uh you're wrong per se but i i do kind of wonder if that much thought really went into it or if that was more uh jason momoa kind of being like hey you know there's not a lot to this character what if i kind of did stuff like this and then you know they're just kind of like allowing him more free reign than they might otherwise. I think it's purposeful. I think what the because they they have so many scenes in this movie where they set up what you normally expect from a fast movie, where it's like this is the part where Dom's going to be the hero. This is going to be the part where his friends, his family are going to come in and save the day. And the movie keeps twisting that. It keeps being like, nope. Like it keeps being like Momoa had a plan the whole time. And I think on one hand that can get kind of tiresome of like, okay, how many contingencies did this guy really plan for? But I think that it does work on the level of like, this is an actual challenge for Dom because the reason he's failing is because he keeps trying to be a hero and trying to like save everybody. And that is the thing that's causing the, the failures that, that he's being dropped into. He's so predictable and his psyche is so insecure. I, I do think it's purposeful. I do think that's what they're going for because that's how this movie, you know, without giving anything away, that's kind of the note that it ends on and of being like, you know, he can do anything with a car. He can get out at any jam, scrap, what have you. But the problem for his character is not that he's not capable enough or competent. The problem is that he is just, you know, he's just so... Like he he doesn't he he can't change he's just the same he can't adapt and so that is the thing that is going to cause his suffering as uh, the Momoa character says I get it Will you're looking at me like John you're overanalyzing the Fast and Furious movies <laughs> I mean I maybe I need an intervention or something I don't know I I like that line of thinking it makes the film seem more purposeful than it may or may not be uh, but I, I I also just kind of wonder given the the kind of uh, tumultuous making of the film if that was maybe more of an incidental thing that just kind of happened as it went along uh you know because like, yeah, i remember you valid too right yeah i don't know i mean i don't want to undermine what the the people involved are doing with the film if that's what they had in mind uh to be sure uh but yeah i mean that that does kind of wonder because it is like you said it is purposely more of a infinity war kind of structure it does feel like they are building to something that is supposed to be a more climactic than the other films which can you know i think part of the reason why these last few films have been a little bit uh lesser than than fast uh like the 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 trilogy of films i think people really like which is fast five fast and furious six and furious seven is that they they do have more of a listless quality to them where it just kind of feels like we're going a little bit more through the motions than we did before and uh this one is trying to be a little bit more uh, established, kind of going for uh, not only Infinity War kind of thing, but like a Deathly Hollows kind of thing, where we're building up to Dom really having this big showdown with like his ultimate uh, antagonistic figure. Not only in the sense of uh, Jason Momoa's character, but this whole organization of uh, uh, you know underworld. I don't even know what really to, to call them the this uh, this league of people that are out to get. 
Dom as well uh, and the family, uh, which I, I am glad you, ma- you brought up uh, Alan Richardson because there's a line in this movie. Uh, I don't know if it was supposed to be funny or not, but it did crack me up where, uh, you know, he's he is, like you said, breaking down the franchise, kind of pointing out uh, in a winky fashion how absurd this franchise has been throughout the years, which I didn't really love, uh, to be honest. I felt like it was kind of putting a hat on a hat. But I did love that he... Uh, at one point kind of turns the camera and just for reasons that are mostly inexplicable in scene, but to us makes sense. He says, and I hate barbecues as if the audience needs to know that he is the anti Vin Diesel, (laughs) which reminded me. Well, he's the anti Mr. Nobody, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But not only that, but uh, it just reminded me uh, in a comparison that I think is a true uh, Will Ashton original of uh, the scene in Garfield, the movie where uh, Stephen Tobolowski's character is on the train and uh, they're like, hey, would you like fish or lasagna? And he's like, or sorry, steak. Would you like steak or lasagna? He's like, steak turns to his friend but like kind of looking at the camera at the same time he says i hate lasagna uh yeah. as if you need to know that he is truly at this point the anti-garfield uh yes. it, it just reminded me of that so i was chuckling to myself watching that scene i thought that was that was a hoot and a half um <laughs> uh, yeah i mean i do agree with you that it is it's such an absurd sequence considering like where did they get that footage <laughs> like all the, the scenes from the other movies uh, i think that yeah if you're actually like reading into it uh you're gonna you're gonna run into some trouble I do want to talk talk about the set pieces because that they the set pieces and like the construction of the action scenes those were some of the weakest points for me. I think that uh, first of all, a lot of what we see here just isn't that original for the series. Like, there aren't a lot of like oh my gosh, like how did they do that kind of moments. Like there may be like one or two. They all sort of just feel like they're just trying to be there's too much familiarity to them. I was like, we, we kind of saw this before, like a car, you know, dropping out of a plane. Yeah, we, we saw that. Like, I feel like we saw that done better. We, we see characters jumping from one car to the other. And it's like, well, yeah, we saw that too, actually. <laughs> um, you know, there, there's not a lot in this that I'm like, wow, you know, like there's a lot of fist fights and everything. Um, I, I don't, I don't love when these movies, these movies get into the fist fights. Cause to me, they're always like very uninteresting, but you know, I, I think that when Michelle Rodriguez kind of like gets her like little fight with Shalise Theron, and and also like I think Letty in general, like I said before, I just like her in this movie more because she just she does stuff that's cool, like her tricks with like a motorcycle. I'm like, oof, like th- that was stuff where I was like, okay, we're doing something kind of different. But even like the Rome set piece, I think is probably the most like impressive for I think in terms of like the technical, you know, how they're able to like make it happen because it's such a sprawling sequence with so many characters. But it arguably kind of like is the peak of the movie because we never really quite get to that same energy of like it just feels like everybody has a goal and they're trying to do it. But even that scene is just an echo of like it's just the fast five sequence kind of mixed with Indiana Jones and which is cool. But again, it's like, what's our amp up? here like what what is like the big sequence that's going to stick out and i don't think really any of them stick out all that much and that was an issue i had with f9 i don't really remember anything from f9 except the space stuff in terms of set pieces uh fate of the furious i well uh the nascar scenes i remember from f9 as well but yeah I, i agree with you in that respect i feel like f9 is a little too forgettable for its own good but i will say this movie does have a racing sequence Every single one of these movies should have a racing sequence. And this of was actually course. a good one. Yes. And because th- this was one that I was like, oh, you're actually like playing. You're like you came to play, you know, because it's it's just not it doesn't play out the way you expect. And it kind of like 
I don't, that's the kind of meta stuff, uh, like what they do with the racing scene here that I respond to more than like Alan Richson hating barbecues. <laughs> like, okay, that's, that's fun. You got your licks in, but in terms of like a, a decent sort of subversion on what you expect, that was something that worked for me for sure. And then they had to do the whole sort of like, and this character's related to this character. I'm like, no, 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 stop, please. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, when I was talking about the set pieces earlier, I mean, the main thing I was thinking of was that uh, race car or that racetrack sequence, uh, which I think is just, you know, I as soon as I saw all like the scantily clad ladies and the Coronas and the beach setting, I was just like, yes, we're bringing it back home. Finally, somebody somebody handed you a Corona in the theater. <laughs> right. Um, I thought that was fun. I mean, I do like the set piece of Rome. I do wish it was a little bit more, I guess. I don't want to say inventive, but a little bit more memorable, I guess, in terms of its execution. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's like a fun set piece. I think like on paper that really works. Same with, uh, you know, like the Grand Canyon kind of sequence that they have. I think those are really strong set pieces. I think in terms of like what they accomplish, uh, you know, that one has like a fun uh, Hot Wheels vibe to it that I think I really respond to, but I also don't think it really like, you know, stands out among the best, the best, the franchise. I do agree with you in the sense of like fast five. I think what's so impressive about that movie, in addition to it working as well as it does, is that a lot of that stuff is in camera and practical. It's not like CGI. Right. Uh, and I think this, as the movies have gone along, especially this one, it feels so rubbery and CG that uh, even when it is practical, it doesn't really feel as practical yeah. and authentic at this point. At least so, the, the last yeah. movie was like that, but at least F9 did have like the magnet stuff. Like it was kind of adding stuff in to sort of freshen things a little, but sure. again, you know, it, and there's nothing quite like that in this movie, but I guess that's on purpose almost like they don't want to do anything until maybe the next one, which is a shame. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I feel like these movies have been generally better about like kind of amping things up. Like I said, they go space in the last one and uh fate of the furious. They have like the car tornado, or not tornado, uh, like, you know, like, tidal say, wave. I don't remember that. <laughs> Sorry. It's like the, the car tidal wave where like all the cars are like coming down. Right. Uh, right, right. yeah. Um, you know, like stuff like that, where it's just like, okay, that's what you want as these movies amplify and go crazier and crazier. And this movie, I don't think quite accomplishes that. Like, I think there's room for that, but they don't, for whatever reason, uh, don't really accomplish that. And I think that does kind of add to, even though I do think generally this movie is an improvement over uh, F9, I still think it's fairly forgettable, especially for what's apparently like the eighth highest gross, or sorry, the eighth most expensive movie ever made or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's had a 70% larger budget than F9. Yeah. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that Again, it's like an Avengers movie. There's so many characters. And the fact that it's not performing super well, I think, is a testament to modern audiences, too, because I think that that same sort of thing that peaked in 2019 <laughs> with Avengers Endgame, I think is kind of waning on people, isn't it? Like these big well, blockbuster event movies with tons of characters and stuff to keep up with. I don't know. I mean, there is... In addition to, I think, Furious 7 being one of the better installments, there is something conclusive with that film. Not... Uh, something they originally had planned, but the fact that unfortunately Paul Walker passed away and they gave him a very yeah. thoughtful and sincere tribute does mm -hmm. kind of feel conclusive. So I think that's part of the issue that people have with Fate of the Furious is that it doesn't quite have something of that magnitude. Like, even though I do think it's a solid, worthy installment of that franchise, it, it does kind of feel like, okay, now we're sort of spinning our wheels, as it were, uh, with this franchise. Yeah, because these characters are getting so much older. They're, they're parents, 
you know, like a lot of the time, like they just look tired at this point. And it makes you wonder like, okay, if they're going to finish the fast saga after this, well, what's, what is next? And I think like maybe like having younger characters again and, and trying to like appeal to like the next generation, because quite honestly, like we're just losing a lot of that sort of, um, you know, these movies started as like point break with cars. And yes. that was very much like a teenage PG 13, like cool, like the kind of, you know, Gen X, very Gen X. But now that Gen X is like aging, it's starting to, to that tone you were talking about earlier. It's starting to feel like the tones are just too like, you know, looking back too much whimsical, like nostalgia to the late nineties, early two thousands style of movies that, I think for at least for us and maybe Gen Z and younger, like it's kind of feeling a little bit passe Uh, not to say that these movies still don't, you know, work for a lot of people who are older than us and our age. I just, yeah, it's like, that's why I feel like it's it's smart to go to a conclusion because that era already concluded. (laughs) So it's like, okay, you're, you're, you're behind, but at least you're getting there. Yeah. I mean, that does make me think that, but the next one will probably be the last one, assuming they do, you know, make another one after this. As much yeah, as they look at Vin the D- box office and do the Fantastic Beast thing, we're like, nah, maybe not two more movies. Maybe they right. should just do one more. I, I, I generally don't understand why they're, they're trying to say three movies here. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they're just kind of like, we'll really amplify it. This is the final Fast and Furious, like nose takesy backsies. Mm-hmm. And they'll probably have a tighter control on the budget, which may or may not hurt the film. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think they'll, they'll be more uh, proactive about kind of reining this in, which we'll see. I don't know if that uh, can maybe convince Justin Lin to come back. I don't think so, but who knows at this point? Um, maybe, you know, maybe they can actually feel like a proper send off at this point. I don't know, but I agree with you that like, I don't know, like, I don't know if that Gran Turismo movie is going to work, but there is something about like watching that trailer. Where it's kind of like, oh, this kind of feels like, you know, closer to like what I initially really responded to with these Fast and Furious movies, which is, you know, like just the racing, the, 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 the a little bit more grounded stakes, the the practicality of it, as it were, but having a kind of a goofy tongue in cheek tone as well. Uh, you know, if I want, it, it kind of feels like we have something like that, hopefully, uh, for like what we originally liked about Fast Furious. But then obviously we have something like last year's RR for like just the goofy, yeah. over the top extravaganza. Like I cannot believe they're doing this. It's a live action cartoon sort of thing. So I, I think in that respect, Fast Ten just doesn't really compete. And same with the f9 as well um you know so i don't know i mean i'll I'll check out uh fast 11 whatever it's going to be called but yeah i i think my uh my appreciation for this franchise is pretty much dried up at this point these are the two things on my wish list for the next one first off dave batista put him in the movie let's finish off the like wrestler turned actor trifecta right because we had the rock we had John Cena bringing Dave Batista. Get all three of them on screen together. You know, I don't sure. care how you, uh, what you need to do to do it. What you need to write or rewrite or whatever retcon, you can do whatever you want. I, uh, and then, yeah, I I think you're thinking uh, too modestly. I like that thought. I would be happy <laughs> if he brought it in. I say, look, this franchise has already had Helen Mirren. This movie we have uh, Rita Moreno. You know, yeah, we got Legends of the Silver Screen. Yes. Uh, so I think they should just go all ahead, get Daniel Day-Lewis out of retirement, Jesus and bring Christ. him into Fast 11. <laughs> <laughs> not where I thought you were going with that, but uh, uh, not the last thing on my wish list. Uh, 
Don't call it Fast and Furious 11. Call it the Fast and the Furious. That's it. That's it. Nothing else. No caption. No nothing. Just Just, the Fast and the Furious. Just the. The Fast and Furious. Just the Fast. The Fast. The Furious. And the ugly. Do you think that's why they were going to make two more? Like they were going to call the next one The Fast and the next one and then the, the last one The Furious? I really have to think about that. <laughs> that's pretty plausible. <laughs> Let's play the Rotten Tomatoes game. Um, okay. We have 235 reviews counted. And they're still coming in. So I got to refresh. Hey, a good thing I did. We have 236 now. Uh, so we'll ask you, what do you think the critic score is for this one? I got to give you a hint, huh? Um, I've seen... Not the score, but I've seen people say that this one is one of the lowest rated franchise uh, installments to date. So I, I think just just based on the general vibe, I don't think this one is positive. It seems like because there's, you know, let's be real. There have been some stinkers in this franchise. Oh, yes. uh, so, I mean, if it's if it's comparable even to like something like. Uh, Fast and Furious, the fourth one, in terms of the reviews, then I'm going to guess it's rotten. I don't think it's going to be like 38% or something low like that, but I think it's going to be pretty middling. Like, just like people are kind of like shrugging their shoulders and being like, whatever. It's a Fast and Furious movie. Let's wrap this up. So I'm going to say 58%. It is not 58, but you're in the right zone. It is in the 50s. So I'll give you one more. Is it 54? It's 54. Okay, cool. Um, It is. <laughs> it is lower than F9. Uh, F9 was a 59%, and then Fate of the Furious was 67. So they've been trending downward since Furious 7, which was like one of the highest points, which was like mm. in the 80s. So, I, yeah. I had no idea that F9 was rotten. I, I could have sworn I thought that that one had a better rating than this one, like by by multitudes, like like 84 or something like that. No, yeah, I mean, yeah, we weren't playing the Rotten Tomatoes game back then, so uh, no wonder where we were unaware. But uh, yeah, three hundred twelve reviews, fifty nine percent. But uh, all right, what about audience score? Um, I don't know. It doesn't seem like audiences are like super into this one either. From the limited uh, interactions I've had with people, like we said, the box office has been declining. It's pretty evident that you know. It, it's not like F9's box office needed an asterisk. It was like, it's this because of the of the COVID pandemic. It just seems like people aren't really into this, in these movies as much anymore. They're, they're kind of over it. Uh, but I think the people who are showing up want to have a good time. And I think they're, they're going to be less critical than critics uh, of this franchise. Not to say that they're going to be over the moon about it, but probably more responsive than critics. So I think it's going to be positive, but not overwhelmingly so so i'm gonna say like 72 percent. it's quite a bit higher it's 86 percent. okay yeah and funny enough it's higher than f9 f9 F- despite having a higher critic score has an 82 percent audience score so yeah and that's out of the the 86 percent is out of 2500 plus verified ratings which is pretty comparable with f9 so no, I, th- yeah, I think audiences are responding to it because I think that honestly, I think it just comes down to them liking Jason <laughs> um, and him being a bit of a, a draw in terms of likability and all that. Um, and I think people are responding like the ones who are going to see it are the fans, you know, even though a lot of people aren't going to see it. I think the casuals aren't really checking it out yet. Maybe we'll see next week if there's a huge, huge drop. Um, personally, I could see that happening since the big movie is going to be Little Mermaid. And that's not like super in line with the same audience for the Fast and the Furious movies. So sure. We'll have to wait and see, especially because Memorial Day is always an interesting um, <clears throat> cipher. 
in terms yeah. of the box office. Sometimes you have Top Gun Maverick, sometimes you don't. Right. That's the thing, right? Is that like it's a big weekend, but it's not consistent. Like you have like Solo, mm-hmm. which underperforms. But then you have Aladdin, which makes a billion dollars. And then, like you said, you Hot Gun Maverick. Yeah. Yeah. People are like, am I going to go to a barbecue or am I going to go to the barbecue? Mm. Cinema yeah. score. What do you think the folks in Vegas? I was there. I just yeah. left Vegas. I didn't make it to the cinema score screening for Fast. Oh, wait. Fast 10. Uh, um, are you spoiled on this one? Because I've been spoiled already. Uh, I am spoiled. Oh, so we both know it's a B plus. Yeah, I was gonna say I I knew that one. I didn't want right. to deceive you. Thank uh, you. Well, that's fine. We'll just jump right to Letterboxd. Uh, but yeah, sure. B plus Cinema Score. But yeah, pretty in line with I think what we would expect. No, uh, uh, this one's actually lower than the other ones because I think B plus is like the lowest rating that any of these movies have gotten. Like they always get usually A's or A minuses from what I've read. Uh, so this is actually like a pretty, you know, I mean, people, you know, shouldn't really besmirch a B plus, but by cinema score standards for the Fast and Furious movies, apparently this is like, yeah, they're not, they, they weren't yeah. into this one as much. Apparently. F9 had a B plus. Well, I know, I but I'm that. saying like, but compared to like Faye the Furious had an A, uh, and I think, uh, like F7 or sorry, Furious 7 also had an A and, uh, like they, they've, they've generally fluctuated between A and A minus until like post Faye the Furious. So it seems uh, yeah, like that's what I'm saying. I'm saying since the last one and the fatigue, I think it settled in. So I think, yeah, the lowering is, I think, within expectations, but well. sure. All right. Letterboxd. We have 49,000 logged, not a ton, hmm. but it is Letterboxd. I don't think that they, you know, we don't always get huge numbers from blockbusters. Uh, average rating. What do you think? Um, it's hmm. a good question. Uh, I think this might be a little too high, but it's what my gut's feeling. I think it's like a 3.1. You're not super far. It's a 2.9. Okay. So, you know, just you're, you're within a couple points there. Yeah, you know, I'm looking at my letterbox here, and it's a lot of negative reviews. Some surprise positives, you know. Uh, Charlie Ridgely gave it a 3. Uh, Kimber Myers gave it a 3. Uh, both friends of the show. Ryan Oliver, he gave it two and a half. Uh, Aaron Dicer gave it a three. Uh, yeah, it just, it looks like it's, uh, you know, Matt Donato gave it two. Uh, yeah, it, it, I think it's going back and forth, people. It, it's, or sorry, Matt Donato gave it two and a half, not two. Um, mm. Those are the most common scores I'm seeing. Clint Worthington, a uh, friend of the show, is closer to me, three and a half stars. I'm like between three and three and a half, something like that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I think I'm, when I walked out of the theater, I was between two and a half and three. I think as time has passed, given how kind of forgettable it is, I'm closer to two and a half. But it's like a gentleman's two and a half. It's kind of like, sure, it's a mess. It's a, it doesn't really work. Like there's some stuff in this movie that's kind of baffling. Like what was the point <laughs> of Ludacris or Therese? I forget which uh, character like throws that powder in the. Yeah, yeah. I have no idea. I don't think any of that stuff worked for me at all. And it's hard to not have Han from these movies not work for me I, because he's I, one of the best characters had that exact same thought. Like I was giving those scenes a benefit of the doubt. It's like it's Han. I love Han. Like I got it. But every time they were on screen, I'm like, Oh man, now we got to do another shtick with Therese and Ludacris. I'm like, yeah, I have nothing against them. They're usually the, some of the better stuff in the movie, like yeah. in fast and furious just, six, it was tired but, in yeah. this man. It was just like, Oh, okay. We're, we've, we've done this before. And like, they have like that bizarre cameo that I'm like, Oh, mm. is this leading to something? Oh no, I guess it's not. <laughs> like, just wanted so, to be in the movie, I guess, for some reason. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, power to him, man. All right. Well, we'll be back next week, I think, to talk Little Mermaid. But until sure. then, 
From Internet California, I have been John Negroni. And from the Internet Pennsylvania, I have been Will Ashen. See you next time. Vroom, vroom. I don't know. I was trying to think of a pun with cars. See you. Good uh, ciao. Yeah, there we go. I like that. <laughs>